in this auditorium for the first time in quite a while, right? Or uh, those joining us on the live stream as we're doing both of those for uh, this first service that we're doing uh, this morning. If we haven't met yet, my name's Jamie. I'm one of the pastors of our church. As I say often, I'm the guy who most weeks gets the privilege of opening up the scriptures, preaching God's word. Um, Surprise, surprise, uh, should come as no shock. We're gonna do that yet again this morning. And so if you have a Bible, You can go ahead and open up to Psalm 127. That's where we'll be this morning. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, you don't have a Bible, uh, you can actually, you can go to esv.org and that is a free resource that'll um, give you access to the translation that we're gonna be using this morning as we we work through this morning's Psalm. Um, As you're you're turning there, you know, it, it's interesting to me. It's funny how God works. Um, oftentimes, the, the sermons that I feel like fall the most flat are, are oftentimes the ones that are followed up by the most emails of encouragement of, God really, you know, showed me this uh, this morning or this past Sunday. Um, he, he opened my eyes to this and, and worked in my life in a unique way. And, I, you know, I shouldn't respond this way, but I go, Really? Like this Sunday was the Sunday that God did that. And similarly, uh, coming into Psalm 127 this morning in this series that we're in, which I'll make sense of in just a moment and frame a little bit. This was one of those Psalms that I, uh, for whatever reason, because it didn't speak to me as much as, as the ones that surround it in this series, uh, as I was getting ready to jump into sermon prep, I just had, had the thought that I'm not sure how this one's gonna come across. And uh, I believe it was Monday, Uh, One of our fellow covenant members, brothers, and friends sent me a text and said, are we in Psalm 127 this week? Because I'm jazzed if we are. That is one of my favorite Psalms, one of my favorite passages of scripture. And we just had this encouraging back and forth uh, on a text thread. And that just got me jazzed about this morning all the more. And so let me pray for us and, and we'll jump in to this great Psalm. Thank God that he didn't give us 149. He gave us 150. Um, Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning asking you as we ask each and every week to minister to the weakness of our understanding, to illumine to us your word that that we might walk away with a, a deeper grasp of divine truth, of divine revelation. I pray that you would do two things this morning. I pray that you would convict us of indwelling sin by your spirit, and I pray that you would encourage us to faith where we're desperate for it as you attend the preaching of your word and power. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Psalm, Psalm 127, how did we get here? As many of you know, uh, we're, we're roughly halfway through a sermon series intended to carry us through the fall, right up to the season of Advent, a series entitled Songs of Ascent. It's the study of a, a 15 song album within the hymn book of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, an album that, as I've made mention of throughout this series, the Israelites made their playlist in traveling to Jerusalem for the, the major feasts and festivals several times a year. A playlist that continues to bear significance in the lives of God's people today, including you and me, as we journey down what I've described as this rugged road of discipleship. One that includes 
an incredibly diverse lyrical expression, capturing something of the, the fullness of the human condition and experience. So that in this series, up to this point, we've encountered songs of lament, reminding us that we're not home yet, inviting us to come to the end of ourselves and the promises of this world, songs of providence, inspiring confidence in God's commitment to preserving his people, a God who never sleeps, a God who never slumbers. We've seen songs of worship calling us to, to laugh and sing in response to God's covenant promises in Christ. We've encountered songs of thanksgiving, inviting us to declare God's faithfulness in answering the cries of his covenant people for mercy. We've encountered songs of confidence, reminding us that, that true and lasting security is found in God and God alone, as we'll get to even this morning. A God who surrounds his people with his sheltering presence, like the mountains that surround Mount Zion. This morning brings us to the eighth track on the album, you might say. Psalm 127, a song of wisdom, incredibly different from uh, the many psalms of prayer and praise that we've encountered thus far in that, that this psalm simply offers observations. It, it shows us how life works, which might seem strange in terms of its place in this Songs of Ascent album. I mean, why would a, why would a pilgrim uh, headed toward Jerusalem be inclined to sing a song like this? And in part, the answer is, is this, and, and we've forgotten this in the American South for years, in part, the answer is that the quote-unquote feasts and festivals are not where we spend most of our time. Yes, we gather in assembly like this as God's people week in and week out, but the vast majority of our lives is spent in the workplace and the home, which is what Psalm 127 is about. This psalm is a, a declaration that life in those spaces is meaningless without God. In essence, you could say the psalmist gives us a window into how to view life and then invites us to look out that window with the eyes of faith. It's not so much a call to righteous, godly behavior and action. So if you come in this morning and you want your, your to-do list to go out and be a better Christian, Psalm 127 is not gonna give you that. It's simply a call to trust in the Lord. It's a declaration that, that without God's blessing, every human endeavor is absolutely meaningless that all of our labors are in vain unless our reliance is upon the Lord rather than ourselves. Which might sound familiar to those who were around for our series through the book of Ecclesiastes. One of the most honest depictions in all of scripture of what it is to grasp meaning and satisfaction apart from God. Right, it should come as no surprise, many of your Bibles uh, in the superscription, the, the title, right beneath the title, that it attributes to this psalm to Solomon, meaning that, that either Solomon wrote these lyrics himself or that this song was written from the, the perspective of, of Solomon, a man who, who knew the vanity of life under the sun as well as anyone who's ever lived, right? A man who, who not only possessed great wisdom, but squandered it. A man who invites us to, to lift our eyes above the sun, you might say, to see that nothing matters without God and that with God, absolutely everything matters. If you pick up Psalm 127 in verse one, we're told this, the psalmist says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Right, this psalm, as we'll see by the time we get to the end of it, it zooms in on three of the most universal things that human beings care about. Building something with our lives, 
preserving that which we built for ourselves and raising children without ruining them. And, and, and so in that regard, th- this pilgrim song, it, it's as timeless as a proverb, really, as it presents us with those things that, that have the potential to worry our hearts most, showing us something of the, the anxiety of life without God, encouraging us to, to trust everything we are and everything we have to the Lord as we throw ourselves on his mercy, his enabling and sustaining grace and power. Verse one, the, the building of a house, that language, it can, uh, biblically speaking, it can literally refer to the construction of a dwelling or metaphorically to the raising of a family. On the, on the basis of the, the attribution of this Psalm to Solomon, some argue that it's a, a reference to the temple that Solomon built, a building that surely the Israelites believe would stand forever, right? Safe and, and secure. Many of them failing to trust in the Lord, including Solomon, as they complacently turn to idols. So that according to scripture, we're, we're told that the city of Jerusalem was eventually ransacked in the wake of Israel's sin. We're told that the, the city, the temple, and the throne were destroyed in 586 BC at the hands of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. A, a booming declaration, you might say, that, that man can build a house, even Solomon's temple, and do that in vain. That man can secure a city, even God's Jerusalem, and do that in vain. Unless, I feel like I'm reading the Lorax here, unless. It's, it's one of the, the most critical words included in the lyrics of this song showing us something of our desperate, desperate, desperate need for God. This kind of language, I would imagine, surely resonates with with every one of us, right? As the the world encourages us to, to build what we can as much as we can, and then to protect what we have in an effort to not lose that which we've built. Our own Babel, a tower of glory, a tower of security, the lurking temptation forever and always to trust in ourselves, to, to follow the word unless with something other than the Lord. Unless I cut corners along the way, make some ethical compromises. Unless I sacrifice my friends and family on the altar of achievement. Unless I burn the candle at both ends, always working, never sleeping. The last of those represented in the very language of Psalm 127. Look at verse two. The psalmist says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Hallelujah. Right, man's propensity is to overwork and undersleep, consumed with with selfish ambition and restless anxiety. And, And for what? To what end? Ecclesiastes 1.3, what, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun, grinding it out? Right? The author of Ecclesiastes, he's not looking for an answer. It's a rhetorical question. The under the sun answer, for those of you who went through that series, you know, is nothing. Right? John D. Rockefeller, at one point, the world's, uh, one of the world's richest man, uh, men, was once asked, how much money is enough money? His response just a little bit more. It's a, it's a grasping at smoke, elusive and fleeting. This psalm is a, a declaration that without God, it's all futile. 
It's a warning against self-sufficiency. Eugene Peterson in his commentary says, Restless, compulsive work habits, which our society rewards and admires, are seen by the psalmist as a sign of weak faith and assertive pride, as if God could not be trusted to accomplish his will, as if we could rearrange the universe by our own effort. Sleep, verse two, it's not some necessary evil, standing in the way of earning more money or obtaining more power. Sleep is a gift from God. It's an act of faith. That when we lie down at night and close our eyes in in sleep, we're in essence saying, I'm not God. It's a declaration that that we are his beloved, that, that we can sleep not only because our God never does, but because we truly trust him with our lives. I love how Alec Motyer puts it in his commentary. He says this, he says, Nighttime reflects the perfect ordering of things. And those who know that they and all their affairs and their loved ones are in the hands of a totally and gloriously sovereign God lay their heads on that truth as on the softest pillow and await the divine hand that closes their eyes. I might get that framed for our master bedroom. That Psalm 127, it's a declaration that the Christian life is a striving to rest. Really, it's a striving to believe the Lord. It's a striving to to trust the Lord, a striving to behold the Lord, a striving to be satisfied in the Lord, come what may, a striving to keep our hearts softened in faith, to be sure that this is not a song about abdicating responsibility, right? The builder of a house must labor as houses don't get built without builders, A watchman must stay awake as cities aren't secure without watchmen. A farmer, which many scholars believe verse two to be referencing, must work hard as a harvest doesn't come without the tilling of the soil. But but all of these efforts must be done in faith, in reliance upon and for the glory of God. Otherwise, Psalm 127 declares they're done in futility. That, That the danger, you could say, it's not in the work, but rather in the work that ignores the unless. And that includes the the work of rearing children. Verses three through five go on to say, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Here here you get yet another example of the the point that the the psalmist is seeking to make in declaring that it's in the hands of God to form and establish. For one, in in bringing children into the world to begin with, right, as there would be no heritage were it not for the one who knits image bearers together in their mother's womb, Psalm 129, or 139, excuse me. How could we see such a miracle as anything other than a, a reward, verse three? an undeserved blessing, an inheritance, not an inconvenience as our society oftentimes declares. But that's not the only miracle that requires the unless of God. As as the labors of building and preserving, verses one and two, are futile apart from God, so is the labor of raising children apart from God's sovereign mercy and grace that 
No amount, and, and I, I need to be reminded of this just as much as anybody else, no amount of helicopter parenting in the world can ensure safety and success, health and happiness. That a parent's only hope is in giving his or her children to God, trusting the Lord with those most trusted possessions. Only then can we hope for any future blessing. In the psalmist's case, the, the blessing of being surrounded with an arsenal of weaponry, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. That, that language of being, verse five, in the gate, it's either referring to the, the place where a city was defended from being ransacked or the place where justice was administered. Either way, it's this, this imagery of a father being surrounded by children who will fight with him when there's war and speak up for him when there's a dispute. More broadly speaking, it's the imagery of kids turning out well. As a parent, the, the temptation for me, I don't know about you, is to follow the unless with something other than the Lord. Something that fans into flame the illusion that I'm the one in control. I'm not. None of us is. Again, the danger's not in the labor, but rather in the labor that ignores the unless. So that I would ask you, I would broaden out this psalm because it's, it's bigger than just the examples that the psalmist gives. It's not just about rearing children or building and preserving things in our lives. It's ultimately about the unless. So I would ask us this morning, in what way or ways in this season of life are you ignoring the unless of Psalm 127? Unless the Lord. It's a call to repentance. In whatever sphere of life, God might be revealing the absence of the unless with respect to each and every one of us. One of which I have to remind myself often in, in this crazy season in which we find ourselves personally, unless the Lord preserves and sustains his church. Not me. As we often sing in, in spaces like these, did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? It's not, Psalm 127 is not a novel thought, right? If you're a Christian, you know this. The essence of the gospel is unless Christ, Right? If our restoration to the living God as wayward sinners was up to us, we'd be done for. Like we can no more remedy the sin problem that separates us from God by way of our own moral striving than a parent can establish a child's certainty of outcome in his or her own strength. So that we're meant to cry out as Christians this morning, praise be to God for the unless of Jesus Christ, for Jesus living the sinless life that you and I could never live for Jesus dying the sinner's death that we deserve to die. For Jesus conquering Satan's sin and death through his glorious triumphant resurrection. So that if you're in this place this morning and you're not a Christian, I invite you to give up on yourself. To throw yourself on the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. To cry out to Jesus in faith unless, unless you save me from my sins, I'll never be saved that you would know the sleep that God gives to his beloved, verse two, in resting from your works by trusting in Jesus's. And if you are a Christian, I mean, Jesus himself declared that he could do nothing on his own, but only what he saw the Father doing, John five. He declared to his disciples, whoever abides in me and, and I in him, 
He it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, apart from me, unless, unless I'm invested in it, you can do nothing unless the Lord. That Psalm 127, it invites us to exercise human responsibility in absolute and utter desperation for and dependence upon God. I love the way Rhett Dodson in his book, Marching to Zion, which is kind of a loose commentary on these 15 Psalms that we're looking at this fall. He says this about Psalm 127. He says, Christ came to redeem us from meaningless jobs. He came to set us free from worshiping work, achievements, and paychecks. He came to free our hearts from the snare of idols like success and ease. Christ's death on the cross releases us, he says, from the bondage of living for anything or anyone other than him. Christ died and rose again so that you and I might have a calling from God, first, to faith and salvation, and second, to a vocation, a way of living out our faith in the world so that others can see through our work just how marvelous the Lord is. You could say it this way. What we wake up to each day is a calling from God, not a calling to be God. That this pilgrim song simply invites us to surrender, to let go, to let go of our our false sense of control, to let go of the burden of the outcome, to sleep, praise God, as an act of faith, In the words of one scholar, to to trust that God is the eminent Lord of the house and the city, of the field and the family. I'll leave us with a a quote this morning from Leslie Allen in his commentary on Psalm 127. He, He says this. He says, humanity's basic insecurity is mirrored nakedly in this psalm. No formula of success is offered but we are invited to stretch out our hands in trust and submission and to ascribe praise to God for the success we do enjoy, recognizing the divine hand in it. God rules and overrules, he says, to God be the glory.